0: Daniel Jones was your NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Now, can he lead the Giants to two straight wins?
1: We'll preview the Giants matchup Sunday with the Cowboys and make our
2: predictions. Our special guest this week is the co host of this podcast. It's two time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker, Lawrence Tynes. So join us
0: for a Beat the Cowboys edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Ah!
2: Welcome back to Blue Rush, our Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Post Sports Plus as well. Get first 30 days free trial there. Our guests will be one of our hosts of Blue Rush, and that's two-time Super Bowl champion Lawrence Tynes as we question him ahead of the 10-year anniversary game next weekend against the Rams. And his co-host is New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz. Guys, Giants-Cowboys this week, a big divisional matchup and a chance for the Giants to put a little win streak together. How about that?
1: Lawrence, let me ask you something. When you were playing for the New York football Giants, right, when it was quote-unquote Cowboys week, did it feel or seem different?
0: It does feel different a little bit, yeah. In what way? Well, you just know... You know, Jerry Jones, the star, America's team, there's just a lot more, I don't know if it's anger or just a little bit more effort put into everything you do from drills to working out because, you know, we often see a lot of Dallas fans, I mean, when we play at home, it's so, it's just one of those teams that you do not like a whole lot.
1: Yeah, Justin Tuck, every every time they played the Cowboys would say, I hate the Cowboys.
0: My team was the Eagles in our division. It was not the Cowboys. We had more success against the Cowboys, but for me, it was always the Eagles. But again, they all, you know, they all pull a little bit of something different out of you every, time, every week. You play them.
1: Yeah, also a lot of the young guys in the league, you know, a lot of them are Cowboys fans or were Cowboys fans. You know, they're from the area, they like the Cowboys, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I find with this team, you know, there is something, but look, they got their first win in, in New Orleans, so I think they're just thrilled about that. Did you ever win NFC or AFC special teams player of the week?
0: Uh I did. How many times? Six or seven, probably.
1: Do you have like do they give you something? Do you have like a plaque or a certificate no, or something no. something?
0: no. You get it, you get a nice little write-up and you guys ask about it and then you, you move on. So real quick, but player of the month a couple of times, but that's about it.
1: Right. Because uh, Daniel Jones gets the offensive um, NFC offensive player in the weekend. Look, I know it's not Super Bowl championship. It's not you know MVP award, but I think in this case with this player, it's meaningful because it's Daniel Jones. He won it. His first start in 2019 in Tampa Bay, leading the Giants to a comeback victory. It's been, you know, two years later. He won it again for that four hundred and two yard, two touchdown performance in New Orleans. And I think this emboldens him a little bit. It, you know, he's not a swag kind of guy, but in some ways he has a little bit of something different. We saw Eli Manning for 16 years, you know, and and he was different. Um Daniel Jones comports himself a little different on the field. So I think an award like this can build him up a little bit. What do you
0: think? Absolutely. When you get recognized by the league and you get a Player of the Week award, it's not a big thing in the grand scheme of things, but personally, it feels good. I mean, there's a lot of really good football players in this league, and every Sunday, players are doing extraordinary things. So to be recognized, it feels good. And anytime you get a pat on the back, whether it's at work, at school, at home, or on a football field, it makes you feel good. So confidence is a is a big deal for him, and he's playing with a lot of it. I mean, he's obviously had a very solid start to this season. Happy for him, happy for the team, but more importantly, happy for Daniel Jones,
1: the guy they're playing this week. Dak Prescott threw four touchdown passes this past week, and he didn't get the award. I just think you know nationally, the Giants get a lot of you know stuff thrown at them. They don't get a lot of accolades, you know, the past few years with good reason. So to get something like this, they, there was an interesting tone Wednesday at Giants practice. A lot about talking about Daniel Jones weathering the storms. Joe Judge mentioned that front and center about weathering the storms. He's weathered a lot of storms. And we asked Daniel about that. And Daniel said, You know, I don't know. I mean, we haven't won enough games. That's no secret, the first two years. And obviously, this season didn't start out the way we wanted to or expected it to. Those are storms we all had to weather together. I thought that was a great line. You know, I can see a little bit of Daniel. I asked Evan Ingram, our friend the friend of Blue Rush, right, Evan Ingram, about Daniel. And he said, it definitely means something. You know, it's a big thing. We think it's a big thing when a guy wins an award like that. And, you know, Evan has certainly had to weather some storms in his career. And I'm not sure how well he's weathered a lot of them. But he said, Daniel, you know, he flexes after they score touchdowns. He said he, he he's a workout guy. He's in the weight room. He said, you know, he's one of the five fastest guys on his team. And I said, come on, Evan, one of the five fastest. And he said, well, maybe one of the 10 fastest, you know. So this guy is showing a little his physicality on the field is showing something, his emotion on the field is showing something, and I think it's important. You know, the Giants don't, he doesn't have to be better than Dak Prescott, but this can't be for years to come. If he's their quarterback, this can't be the Giants are playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a huge advantage of quarterback. You know, it doesn't work for that kind of rivalry.
0: No. And, and Daniel in year three is progressing very well. I mean, Giants fans have to be happy. The organization has to be happy with how he's played. I think Dak has a little, a couple more weapons at his disposal. Mm. Now, 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 I'm saying that you would have thought that two weeks ago.
1: Yep, definitely. This week, yeah. if we
0: can get one of the guys back and Saquon – and listen, the, the confidence that Saquon has gotten from last week, he didn't get a player of the week, but holy cow, man, the way I saw him celebrate, go find Daniel, grab him, that's really that, – that excites me as a player seeing that because Saquon needed that too. He needed to beat a guy and run a great distance down the field. He's getting more comfortable. The offense – the whole football team is gaining more confidence – and they're going to need every bit of it going into Dallas this weekend, Right.
1: I mean, seeing those two guys seek out each other on the field, I mean, they are the franchise figureheads. You know, that's them. You know, Saquon's what, 25, I guess, maybe less. Daniel's 24. Saquon, I guess, is younger. I mean, it, it's, you know, they are the future of the Giants. That's what the Giants are supposed to build around on offense. And, you know, Daniel was turning the ball over. Saquon was hurt. So I think the fact that these guys are growing together, I mean, this is the, what the plan is supposed to be. You know, if I told you a month ago, the Giants would be 0-3 and, and then 1-3, you would have probably said, oh boy, I guess Daniel's probably not playing really good football.
0: I would have definitely thought that.
1: Right? You'd say, yeah. well, the defense is probably pretty good. Saquon's probably finding his way. And you know the offensive line's probably not great. And Daniel's probably not great in his critical third year. And that's just not the case. I mean, he's played fine. He's played fine or, or better than fine or really good. I mean, I think that's something that when you lose, it all gets swept under the rug. Now you win a game. And now we're talking about Daniel and we're talking about winning plays he made and It's an underlying thing. Do the Giants have their quarterback or don't they? I mean, right now, the answer is yes, with more to come, with much more to come.
0: Agreed. And and listen, I think in order for this team to take the next step, they still have to establish a running game. Saquon has done things here and there, but the running game is still not good enough. I don't think it's good enough. And again, we're throwing a lot. We're gaining chunk yardage there. They're at some point going to have to run the football with Daniel, with Saquon. The defense, I know I've said this two or three shows in a row. I was not concerned about them. I am a little bit. For some reason, uh, we just can't generate any pressure on the quarterback with any with the front four. That's going to be a problem Sunday. If you can't get the deck with those three players, and listen, they always have a tight end. I, Jarwin is the guy who kills the Giants. Schultz, now a, it's Schultz. Now it's Schultz. Right? Schultz Jarwin, yeah. Jarwin will play specifically because it's the Giants. Yeah, I think he has like five touchdown passes, six career touchdown passes, five are against the Giants. Listen, Ezekiel Elliott... Is uh, having a really good year. He's running like a possessed man. They're going to be the toughest team they've played all year. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it's one of the four or five best offenses in the league. I think. Now you mentioned you're worried about the defense, probably specifically because they don't generate Pass enough rush. heat on the passer. Right? Pass yep. That brings me to this question: Should the Giants have drafted Michael Parsons? He was there at number eleven. He was there, sitting there. The Giants got beaten by the Eagles for Devonta Smith, the receiver they wanted. Micah Parsons was there for the taking. Some people said the best defensive player in the draft. The Giants not only said no thanks, they said, we're trading out of this pick and going to 20. And then the Cowboys, who were going defense heavy, said, thank you, thank you, thank you, and scooped him up at number 12. Looking back at this, should they have taken Micah Parsons? Mm.
0: I, I, I'm not sure because I, as I believe I understand it, he did not play last year, right? He sat out Correct. Senior year, at, at Penn State. Yeah, but, I, I don't know. I, that's a hard. That's hard for me as an organization to take a guy at eleven that hasn't played. He had all kinds of measurables and and timed forties and strength and speed. I don't mind him trading out because listen, if you look back now in hindsight, Tony's a hell of a player. Now we need to see more, but we also get a draft pick. They thought they had some guys coming off IR that were going to produce in the in the pass rush game. That has not panned out at all leonard williams has been a little bit quiet uh but we're not getting anything from the edge and that's that, that That could be a problem.
1: When I was looking at Micah Parsons, I thought he was more of an inside linebacker with some pass rush ability. They're playing him as a stack linebacker. They're playing him as an edge guy. He has two and a half sacks. That leads the team. He's got eight quarterback pressures. That leads the team.
0: Well, let me ask you this real quick. How many sacks did you say he has? Two and a half. How many has Adjulari got? Oh, well, he's got three. No, that's fine. But I mean, I, I, I think I, long term, I mean, we're comparing... I mean, who's the better player? I don't know. To be determined, Ojolari, I mean, he's 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 a good player. Then they got him in the second round. So
1: yeah, I don't think Ojolari is going to be that inside, you know, no. force that that certainly he's that Michael Parsons is. But look, the Giants had questions about Parsons as a guy. You know, his his off the field, his character, and that's why they didn't take him because I know they liked him as a as, as a player. Joe Judge said they liked him as a player. He said he you know it had nothing to do with his. Playing ability, so it's just something. Look, there's there's no right or wrong right now. You know, you can't nope, say in, in, after five games or four games that Michael Parsons is great, Ojalari's not as good, Tony's a bust. You know, none of that. We can't. But it's one thing that fascinates me about the draft because there's, there's you know this guy was here, we didn't take him. This guy was not here, we didn't take him. Like the guy from northwestern right slater right now in after the first couple of games and in the summer everyone said oh my god why didn't they take this guy our left tackle is no good okay andrew thomas is giving up has given up one sack i he, he's very low on pressures he manhandled the saints pass rushers last week andrew thomas who look he didn't he he wasn't winning the race with those four guys right with werfs and wills and Becton. he was not winning the race last year but the race no, is he, not he, over. Is he, he had
0: a he he had a lot of naysayers earlier this year. I wasn't one of them. You know that. I thought they played well towards the end of the year. He had a bad third preseason game. I told you it was because he was tired. He looked tired to me, and he was. They had some tough two-week practices. And then all the national media has really commented. Some of the big ESPN guys said that Andrew Thomas was by far the worst tackle in that draft. Out of the top three. or Listen, he hears that. I think he's got a lot of pride. He's a a smart kid, hardworking kid, quiet, humble, and he's putting together a good season. So happy to see that. I like, I I root for guys that that are quiet and just go about their work. And Andrew Thomas has done that.
1: I was going to say that because, you know, I think I kind of get a sense of what you like as a teammate and you don't want everyone to be quiet and, and studious, you know, but I think you'd like your left tackle, right? To be a guy, you just kind of just leave him alone, He'll Kareem McKenzie. Job. Kareem yeah. McKenzie was
0: all right, but you know he yep. was Kareem McKenzie. is probably very in that in that same mold. Very quiet. Kareem was. You got you know Kareem intelligent. What, um, yes, thoughtful very intelligent
1: and thoughtful. Yes, and and just kind of like when I talked to Kareem McKenzie, it was like I am going. I'm working here. I'm going to work. This is my job. He didn't take it too emotionally. He didn't go to. It was like this is my job. This is my assignment this week. I hope to fulfill my tasks. And then he went on to the next one. And he wasn't a great quote because of that, but he was a damn good player because of that, because it's like, this is what I'm doing to work. I'm working now, okay? You know, this is my job. And Andrew Thomas has a lot of that. I talked to Andrew Thomas last week and, you know, he said, you know, hey, I'm 22 years old. It's a lot. You know, that's what I like about him. He sounds like a 22-year-old who doesn't have it all figured out yet, but he's very steady, very steady guy. um,
0: Good for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's key. You know, that, you can't miss on that pick. And for one or two days this summer in, in New England, everyone thought he was the biggest bust in the league. And that was not the case. When you go against a guy, you know, what would you advise Daniel Jones to do with um, Trevon Diggs? Attack him or say, look elsewhere?
0: As far as I know, and Jason Garrett, watching last week, they were, they went after Lattimore. Lattimore is a superior player. To Diggs, and Diggs is having a hell of a season. But they went after Lattimore. And so that tells me they're not afraid of any corner. They'll go after him. If, if, if it's there, they'll go after him. You just got to be careful. You got to be careful, even with the second and third cornerback. You know how good all these guys are. But if the guy's open, the guy's open. You know, Daniel Jones has a pretty big arm. I think his arm's bigger than a lot of people give him credit for. He he was throwing some really good passes last week. Big time NFL throws outside the hash marks. I think he has a little more zip than Hertz. Hertz gave up, you know, one or two. Did you see one of those picks that Diggs made, though? Holy cow. Falling down, juggling the ball. He is a problem. But again, you just got to scheme him. Find a way. He's aggressive. You can take advantage of that. All
2: right, guys, let's make picks. Let's make our predictions. Start with you, Lawrence, 425 p.m. on Fox in Dallas. Giants, Cowboys. Who wins? What's the score? Well, (laughs) Well, I am. That doesn't (laughs) sound good.
1: That doesn't sound good. I said I
2: wouldn't pick them until they won. You know what?
0: I'm actually, I I think Dallas is due for a down game, a down week. They played at a very high level for the last month. Um, I think they take the Giants lightly, and I think the Giants go in there and they pull one off. I think the Giants 27, 24. Close game. Wow. There we go. Paul, what do you got?
1: I didn't think you were going there. I thought I thought I think you just changed your mind in, in one second there. I think you just changed I, yeah, your mind. I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. I that did. figures. As you mentioned before, I I'd like what I see on the offense. I just I when I don't I, there's a couple of matchups I don't like here. Dallas has a smaller defensive line. They do all kinds of tricks, all kinds of tricks and games up front slants and things like that. And I don't like that kind of matchup against this offensive line for the Giants, which is a a good pass blocking line right now. You know, you need to bully the Cowboys is what you need to do. And I'm not sure the Giants are built to do that right now. You know, they're built to kind of spread you out and run the ball for more of a spread. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about turnovers. Daniel Jones has been great at not turning the ball over, but this is a really big test for him. And I'm worried about him having time. Everyone saw what he did last week. They're going to try to take those deep throws away from him. They're going to try to get in his face quicker. So it might have to be more dump-offs in this game. And I am concerned about the defense and the lack of a pass rush. I've been in that building several times when Dak Prescott's been playing. Last year he got hurt in week 5 don't forget against the Giants, but Dak has I think 17 touchdown passes against the Giants. He owns the Giants. You know, he I, I just in my mind all I think of is guys running free and Dak Prescott hitting them. So I'm worried about the defense, and for that reason, <laughs> I have to chop you. No, that's the wrong – that's the wrong that, – that's from chop. I, I I have to chop the Giants in this game. I just don't see them winning the game. I think it's like a 28-17 kind of game. I just – you know, I'd like to pick them because I think they built a lot of equity last week in New Orleans. It's just a – it's a hard place to play. It really is. So I, I'm taking a Cowboys. Game. Is it
0: really, though? I don't think it's that hard. We never lost there. And, and listen, that team for a long time – no, no, no. That team for a long time did not have a winning record at home. That The building itself was like a 500 record at home.
1: Correct. Until, did, yes, Eli Manning signed the wall. We know I'm that. I'm talking about but, the
0: entire Dallas Cowboys organization since that place opened. It was yes, about the, a 500 win percentage The Giants have
1: not won in Dallas since 2016.
2: Did you reference Chopped, the show on the Food Network? What was that Chopped, 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 chopped reference? Yes, chopped, yes. Food
1: Network. I, it's one of my yeah, favorite shows, Chopped.
2: Chicken my mom park. loves
0: that
1: show. <laughs> Sarah, come on, why yeah.
2: she nice, does? <laughs> could, could, could,
1: couldn't at least you say your friend likes it or something? Nope. <laughs> why am I always why am I always associated, referenced with with, with moms and grandpas yes. and things like that? Well, because well, when we tried
2: drip, when we tried teaching you drip, drip, you didn't know what it was, so we went from drip to chop. My old blue-
1: my old uncle Melvin liked that. You know, come on, <laughs> someone. How about my younger brother or something
2: like that?
0: Yeah, my really cool younger brother.
2: Yeah. Blue rush for all ages, uh, you know, seven and up here on blue rush. I'm going to, I almost pulled the Lawrence and switched to the giants, but yeah, I think they just have too much firepower. I'm taking the Cowboys 31, 24. They've scored so many points. And like Paul said, Dak has crushed the giants. So I'll take the Cowboys 31, 24. Who do you got Sarah? Every
0: time I pick the giants, they lose. <laughs> I know. So do, do I think the giants come in? Yeah. Don't pick them. <sighs> No, because every time I pick someone, they lose. Reverse psychology. So go reverse psychology. I'm superstitious. All right, I'm going to – okay, I, what, what I can tell you is it's going to be close. So <laughs> Whatever happens, it's going to be like close. Two zero? Okay, I'm no, I'm going to go with the Giants, Ooh.
2: 21-20. Wow, someone missed a PAT. <laughs> two out of four are taking the Giants. That's 50-50, not bad. Cowboys seven point favorites uh, over under 52 points. So they're expecting a shootout. We'll see what happens. But a guy who, you know, at one point led the league in extra point attempts as Lawrence Tynes back in 2004. And he's going to be our guest next on Blue Rush. Joining us now on Blue Rush, this is really a tough booking. Uh, He played six seasons with the Giants, 13 years of professional football, 10 in the NFL, two years in Canada, one in NFL Europe. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion kicker in the 2008 and 2012 Super Bowls, the NFC scoring leader in 2012. He was the extra points attempts leader in 2004. He's a first team all Southland in 2000. He's the pride of Troy State. Let's welcome in number nine, the pride of Greenock, Scotland. <laughs> Lawrence Times. Lawrence, welcome to the show. <laughs> wow.
0: Golly, this is great to be here. Holy cow. I haven't seen you guys in five minutes.
2: Tell me about Scotland, please. I'd love to know a little bit more about Greenock, Scotland. Don't
0: ever pronounce it Greenock like that. It's Greenock. It's, it's Greenock. Okay. Yeah, Greenock. Okay.
2: Greenock, like it was like I don't know, like you had some. Now, are there trying- bagpipes in the streets? Like, tell us, tell us about the. So
0: Greenock is where I was born, but I was raised in Campbelltown, which is on the Mullican Tire, a very small town, boatyards, fishing, SEAL Team Two, where my dad was stationed with Naval Special Warfare Unit Two, very strategically placed, very tiny town. So a lot of people, it's a whiskey distilleries. There's, I think there's two or three of them. No, there are not bagpipes in the streets. But I did dribble a soccer ball to school. Like some of my memories, thinking back, because you asked that question, are like, I dribbled a soccer ball to school pretty much every day. And it was did about you a said, mile. You said
1: there were not bagpipes in the streets, but I'm sure there are a lot more soccer balls in the streets than there were footballs, A lot
0: right? of soccer balls. And were so, you a Celtic fan? Huge Celtic fan, right? The big Celtic Rangers rivalry. but And it was really based off religion. In, in Scotland, it's, I'm a Catholic, so you're... It's Catholic-Protestant. It's changed quite a bit, thank God, because it got really ugly in the 90s. But yeah, I'm a huge Celtic fan.
2: Is that what got you into kicking? You were just always playing soccer your whole life, and then when did it come about that you're like, hey, maybe I can make this into a football, from football to football career? So kicking started my junior year. So my high school PE teacher
0: was our defensive coordinator, and he took me out to this field so I, I remember it Can picture it right now. So he takes me out in PE class. He goes, hey, Lawrence, we don't have a kicker next year. You ever kicked the football? And I said, no, not really, but I could probably do it. So he takes me out to this to the baseball field. And in the center field, there's a big yellow upright on the fence. That's where they practice. I remember he put his keys down, you know, five feet in front of the tee. He told me to, uh, you know, kick the ball. So start started kicking, picked the keys up kick, pick the keys up. And Coach McMillan, Mike McMillan, who has since passed on bad car accident about four or five years ago. If it wasn't for him, I really don't think I I'd get on this journey. Now, could I have? Maybe. But Mike McMillan is the reason I started kicking footballs. And it's the reason every time I kicked through high school, college, and pro, I used to tell myself, pick up the keys. Because, you know, you know PE teachers have that big thing of keys. You know, it opens yes, up every yes. door. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it was just, you know, so weird. Like, so I just visioned, Oh that's why I try to keep my head down all the time but I just tell myself pick up the keys it was one of my things I I did when I kid
1: Did so. you ever did you um did anybody on here watch Queen's Gambit that that limited show? First you
2: know? Chop, now Queen's Gambit. Look it's I heard good
0: that's round. a good show. I heard No, that.
1: it was fantastic. But, you know, she becomes a, a, a <laughs> oh, chess, the, uh, whiz. chess Yes, she sorry, i She becomes a watch. chess whiz and she's in an orphanage. The custodian in the basement just has this raggedy chess board and starts playing chess with her. Un- not much different than your, you know, football <laughs> yeah. coach in, in Scotland. You know what I mean? No. I mean, someone has to, you know, look, it's easy in, in, in America when, you know, for, for our sports, it's like. Yeah, you, you, your basketball coach teaches you basketball, but you know I've known you for a long time, Lawrence. But it, it always it's a very interesting story how how guys you know you're not the only one to do it, but it's just there are so many kickers in our country who kick and kick and kick. You know what I mean? And and you rose to this rank. It's just very interesting because you were not brought up with it. You know, I mean, it, it just you were not brought up with. It. How good of a soccer player were you, by the way?
0: I was really good, um, really
1: wobbly midfielder, I would guess.
0: I was a forward. I was a cherry picker. Scored a lot of goals. Oh, I could, that- um. Best I, hanger. Could, I could put the ball in the back of the net. You know, I try and think back of all the, I just was surrounded as a young guy. I was surrounded by, I don't want to say greatness, but I was surrounded, even though I grew up in a small town in Florida, 9,000 people. I mean, I went to high school and part of the reason I quit competitive golf was because I my high school was Boo Weekly, Bubba Watson, and Heath Slocum. Three PGA Tour players, 9,000 people. And then I played on my club travel soccer team, John Aiken, who's the coach at Oglethorpe, and Brian Waltrip who ended up getting drafted, played in Europe. I played with some, I don't know what it was, but I just kind of grew up in a competitive environment when I was younger. Not, And it's funny because I didn't think it was, I just thought that's how how everything was when I was younger. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't get to do a lot of things that other kids got to do. Travel all over the country when I was offered to, to play soccer, which was, you know what, in hindsight though, Paul and, and Jake and Sarah, it, it's probably a good thing that I didn't get to go do that. Was that
2: an option to play, you know, professional soccer? Because, you know, guys make lucrative money over there, the big names. But was that ever an option? So when I was in Scotland,
0: yes. I always said to myself, I'm going to go play for Celtic or some club. And, you know, when you move at 10, right in the hay of it, when I was getting recruited heavily by Rangers of all teams, which would have been a tough sell to my family (laughs) because we were Catholics, (laughs) but I would have done it in a heartbeat, we moved. And I moved to Florida and you get to Florida and soccer was not very good. I mean, in the, in 1990, 1990, soccer was, it's not what it is now. Yeah, the transition was for me just soccer, soccer, soccer. I didn't ever think of playing another sport until, like I said, I was a junior in high school.
1: Did you sound like a kid from Scotland moving yes. to
0: Florida? Yes. G- yes. G-
1: give, give us a little. We
0: do it every show. No, but
1: give, give us a little, you know, how no. old are you? How old are you? Four, 10, 14? I was 10. I was 10. almost 11. Give us 10-year-old Lawrence going into the cafeteria. I can't. I have puberty.
0: I can't. You think my voice was this deep when I was 10? <laughs> so I'll tell you a story though, because we lived in Navy housing on the Navy base, and it was right behind the school we all started at. The people, so we got to have a ton of friends, right? Navy housing is, it's just housing for military people. It's It's not expensive. It's but it's great it's because you know there's going to be a thousand kids in your neighborhood. And we always had games to play, like street football. And I would play football just because everyone did it. We'd play soccer. We'd play hoops. We'd play tennis. But um, I remember... All the kids in our neighborhood just called us, you know, when we moved in, the Lucky Charms kids. Oh, there, here comes the Lucky Charms kids. I'm like, that's Irish, but because we all had accents. So I remember that. We obviously grew out of our accents and moved on. But growing up in Milton was was fun, man. I always think it's it's where you, it's what defines you as a player or a, an athlete, is where, where you are when you're like through middle school and high school. And listen, I lived in a very competitive landscape. Our high school football team was top five in Florida every year, which is a big thing. I mean, How for many us to people be, at a Friday night game? You know we would get somewhere around this is a blow your mind, the town's nine thousand, fifteen, sixteen thousand for a home game. So, and it's quite a bit different. you know, now that we live in Kansas going to high school football games. I'm used to these big, large crowds, but it's a different way of life. In the pan, all of Florida, as you know, high school football. Texas in the southeast is a big deal.
2: And then you go to Troy State. What was that experience like? Kicking there, were you like a star kicker? Tell us about Troy State.
0: No, so I was a walk on. I I had some opportunities, probably better opportunities elsewhere, but I I went there because it was comfortable. I I had a lot of guys from Troy or from my high school that played at Troy. I just and I had been to football camp there. Our high school football team would summer up there, and for like three days. And I was like, you know what, this team's really really good. It's a one double A school. It's a powerhouse. And I had guys I played with in high school that went there. So, and coach Blakeney, you know, we had a really good relationship. And he said, look, if you come up here and do what I think you can do, we'll give you a scholarship. And he was right because we were on the quarter system. So I went up to school, walk on. I had a scholarship before school started. So I really technically walked on for a month and then to kind of show what I could do. I still redshirted. I wasn't ready. Started for four years. But what's really cool, because this is a Giants podcast, is one of my closest friends in the world is Matt Allen. He was the holder for the Trey oh, so, yeah. So oh, yeah, and that was rough. Very that, rough,
1: one one of the five most difficult writing assignments in my career in any sport. Mm, okay. That game, that the thirty nine thirty eight two thousand and two. Yep, in in uh, San Francisco, that was. Yep. I could literally write a book on that game. Mm-hmm. No, no exaggeration. And Matt Allen and Trey Junkin would be at least one chapter.
0: Sadly. Well, listen, if you need sadly. to get a hold of them, we can do that. But
1: yeah, I'm sure I'm sure um, he really wants to talk about. Uh, actually, he didn't. He didn't. I mean, it was it was the snap. I mean, he, he did. I guess he could have fallen on the ball, right? He could have fallen on the ball and they could have tried to kick it on fourth down, you know, but
0: he could have in what the story is, is, you know, Jim Matt Allen. So anyway, me and Matt Allen are both technically walk ons. We played four years together. And it was great because a lot of scouts came to watch him play. A lot of scouts came to watch me play. So both scouts, obviously special teams coaches, would look at both of us. So we got a lot of visibility from a small school. Matt Allen had a really good game that day. But anyway, the story is, he tells me this, is Fossil came up to him and told him to tell the media that I told you to spike it on third down. That is a lie. I think we've talked about it before on the show. He never told Matt that. He, he's trying to cover his butt. So, and unfortunately, and Matt had a very good game that, that day. I remember watching it, but he, Matt never played again in the NFL after that day. And I thought either, he was,
1: Either did Trey Junkin, but well, Trey Junkin played 18 years. So it, yeah, he had a Matt career. Yeah. Matt was
0: basically in his first year, um, got better and better as the year went on, but he just, he never played again. So I don't ever bring it up. Because I know and, it, it and, still and stings.
1: He was the one who threw the pass to Soybert.
0: Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. He yeah. could
1: have been. He could have been the great one of the greatest Giants icons yep. ever if they call a penalty on that play, which they should. Right. Yep, Matt Allen throwing the days ball later. To, to 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 Richie Soybert, who literally got manhandled, and they they didn't call it. That
0: was- I know it hurts, Matt. I really do. I know him because I know him. I love him like a brother, and I don't bring it up, but he brings it up. Every once in a while, because he obviously every wild card weekend they show it, and of course people send him pictures
2: of it. So it's one of those not as bad as Scott Norwood, but it probably feels the same to Matt. Yeah, you're undrafted. Well, do you remember the first call? You know, you were on the Chiefs practice squad at first. Do you remember getting the call that you were going to get a chance in the NFL? and the emotions that went through it.
0: Man, I thought I was getting drafted after the pre-draft process. I was like, Everybody okay, thinks
2: they're
1: going to get drafted. It's unbelievable.
0: I, Everybody yeah,
1: thinks and, they're getting and, drafted. And
0: here's here's where I, I think I messed up, in a weird way, but in hindsight, everything works out. So Frank Gantz, the great special teams coach down in Jacksonville, Frank Gantz Jr., his son in Kansas City, and then the, I don't know who was out at San Diego at the time. Remember, they drafted Nate Kading third round, so once he was gone, I knew I was probably next, Or but I didn't play it right. Teams were calling me and I was like, you know, in the fifth or sixth round, and they're like, Well, what are you hearing? What do you you're supposed to say, well, I should BS them and say, Well, so and so said they're gonna draft me in the sixth round. I'm getting <laughs> but, a
1: lot of calls. I'm getting yeah. a lot of calls. So I yeah. was just
0: like, Well, you know, a lot of people said, you know, maybe we'll get calls late in the seventh, free agency. So anyway, it all ended up working out. I did get the large one of the things I'll hang my head on is I got the largest signing bonus of any chief, and I don't know technically, maybe in the NFL that year as an undrafted player. How so, much you remember? Yeah, it was like 25,000. 2001? Jake 2000 draft. I don't 2001,
1: know. 2001, yeah. But
0: that's that's a lot of money for an undrafted kid. It's, it's, it 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 says that the team really doesn't want to cut you, you know what they I mean? They didn't. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. and of course I get to camp and I start off really good.
1: Who was the who's the veteran? Was there Todd, a veteran?
0: Kid? Todd Peterson. Uh-huh. Very, you know, straight. Yep. He played for the Giants, I believe, maybe. I think he he was drafted by the Giants.
1: He might have been, yeah.
0: And then I just faded I just um, I struggled a little bit playing in front of a lot of people um, coming from Troy, but I knew I could do it, man. I had a really good camp. I think I just didn't know what I was doing every day. I didn't know what to do or should I lift this day? Should I kick this day? I was like,
2: I was just winging it. That's all I did. In high school. So were you like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to Europe. Would you go to Europe or you went to Canada after so that? No. So
0: so once you once they release you, they say, hey, look, you know, I spent some weeks on the practice squad. And then they release you, and then they say, Hey, look, this is why Europe was great, in my opinion. We're going to release you, but we're going to sign you back in January and send you to Europe, meaning, okay, good, I get to go play. They, true to their word, I went to, they sent me to Scotland naturally. Coach McGahey was my special teams coach. Coach McGahey was my special teams coach in Kansas City, too, assistant. And then I came back, man, I thought I was ready. I really had a good camp, but they signed Morton Anderson when I was in Europe. And I was like, "Ooh, okay." Your arch rival, my rival. <laughs> I'll whip his arse. Um I'm I want to fight him one day. Like, can we do a celebrity boxing match? Yes, UFC for me charity. Me and the Dane. Me and the Dane.
1: He—he <laughs> he is I, not a small
0: guy. I don't give a, I will beat his ass. <laughs> He's too old. Yeah, there's. Too, I have a lot of pent up anger for him, so I will. It will come Tyson out. Tyson Fury. Yeah. How about Tyne's Morton Anderson? Tyne's that was, that Anderson. Do <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it in Scala. Let's make a yes. blue rush.
2: Trust to Scala. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the big Dane. He's got to be like fifty five. He's. There's no way I would fight him. Then I go to Canada. So that's a cool story in itself. You remember Al Saunders, the great offensive coordinator? Yep. Me and him had a really cool, unique, for whatever reason, relationship. I loved talking to him. I loved visiting with him during practices in the cafeteria. And he really liked me. He talked to me, told me, hey, you're talented. You're going to make it. You just got to hang in there. And he had a friend up in Canada, Eric Tillman, who was the GM of this new Ottawa Renegades team. I literally fly up there on a Wednesday, try out for the team, played my first game on Thursday. You know, when you're young, it just you just go. Go kick. It was still upright. It's the field. There was weird rules there was a guy yeah, in motion. Wide
1: field, right? Wider field. First wide game,
0: field. first yeah. game. We didn't go over this on Wednesday because I got a uniform, played Thursday. First game, I'm lined up and there's this guy like going back and forth in front of my face on field goal. I kind of look around. I'm like, what's going on? Why is there motion on the... F-? So they have, when it's outside of 40 yards, they have these motion guys that will go and cover because you can return a field goal, miss field goal. Um, I made the kick, but I come to the sideline and say, coach, what the hell was that guy doing? He goes, oh, we'll, we'll cover it tomorrow. <laughs> just go kick. I'm <laughs> like, what's going on? You know, the very first kick of the game, I hit this kickoff, and it went through the end zone. Everyone, I came to the sideline, and everyone is like more excited than just a traditional touchback, right? Isn't it a ruse? ruse? Yes, that's the whole point. Yeah. So I get to the sideline, and people are like, yeah, woo, we, got, got, a, we got a point. It's a point. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. I did. So I'm learning on the fly. But I'll tell you what. If it wasn't for Canada, I wouldn't have been in the NFL. There's no way. I learned how to become a pro. You're playing in front of real people, 50,000 up in Edmonton and rabid, awesome fan bases. And I was on the field a lot. 62 field goal attempts my second year, 51 for 62. I made so three down football. I mean, I was out there three, four times a game. It just gives you reps, live reps in front of people, confidence. So then after that, I did eight games the first year. And then I said, I need to resign, make a name for myself. And I said, I'm a, I, even though I still could have went back to the NFL after that half season, I said, I need to spend a full year in Canada and light it up. And every goal I, I set for myself, I checked it about. All pro, first team all pro. We didn't win a lot of games. But I had 10 offers from the NFL after that. Like real money, to where I knew I was going to be the
2: guy. So why did you
0: choose the Chiefs?
2: Familiarity.
0: I was comfortable there, and you know I knew Morton wasn't getting any younger,
2: and you wanted to uniform. take his job so bad. I think that's what it was. Admit it. This event happened this time around. So before I went to
0: Canada, I didn't, I didn't have a feeling one way or the other for Morton. Other than we all considered him the greatest of all time prior to that. And the uniforms are cool. The mock turtleneck thing I could do without on the on the headshots. But but yeah, and then it started, man. Off it went. Got traded.
1: Now, do do you have a Scottish Claymore's jersey still? I do, yeah. Um, you have a uh what Ottawa Renegades jersey? Uh-huh. You do. Okay. Yep. Troy Chiefs. Rob, Troy, obviously high school. You have a high school jersey? I I don't. You don't, okay. Um, obviously, you have Kansas City, you have Giants. So, yeah, Scottish Claymores is um, that was a fun league. NFL Europe was kind of cool. I Did you ever cover that. it? No, but I used to watch it, and and you know, it, it, you covered it in a sense that you know the Giants would have players there. You know, so you'd know, oh, this that oh that guy that guy, they sent defensive back, he's from the Giants. So you'd you'd cover it. You know, then the guys would come back in the spring, and you would talk to them and say, how was the experience in Frankfurt? And How was it in Scotland? And awesome. how was it? And it was cool. It was cool. It was, it was, it's too bad that's not there anymore. You you know what
0: that league did though, because here's what, here's what I saw as a player. I saw the guys who really went over there and, and took it seriously because listen, you're in another country, you're 22 years old, you're not making any money, but they're giving you enough money to get in trouble. I saw, you know, the handful of guys that I, that wanted to keep playing pro football, because I think that's what that league separated was... I went over there and I had a clear goal. Listen, I'm here to get better, to play well, not go out every night, which half our team went out literally seven days a week. Not snitching. I went out some nights too. I'm just saying. Some guys, I loved it. Kurt Warner. I played, you know, Matt Bryant was over there when I was over there. Great kicker for the Falcons and Giants. Me. So we had a lot of really good guys NFL players that
2: played a while. Last one, and this is fun. We get we're gonna do a part two maybe in a few weeks and on his Giants career. We got to everything but the Giants, but I'll do one here on the Giants, Lawrence. And what's your feelings going into this ten year anniversary next Sunday? You're you're taking the trip from Kansas, you're coming up to MetLife. you know, is there a feeling of nostalgia? Or are you excited to be with your teammates again? Are you excited you got a big party planned for the weekend? You know, take us through the uh ten year ceremony next week. So Total transparency. My wife and I always have, we pick,
0: right? We have our favorite Super Bowl teams. This is not it. Our other one is our favorite Super Bowl team. And I'm just being honest. You love them all. You don't do that with your kids, do you? No, no, Okay,
1: no, no. Okay, good.
0: But there's just something about that first team with the way we all had kids the same age and families. And now there's still a lot of them on this second one. But as Paul will tell, there's a lot of, I don't want to call anyone random, but there's some random players on this team that were in New York for a year a season Look look
1: how you won the game in overtime. Yeah. Right? You know, look at the
0: um, Spencer
1: Pacinger the, the turnover um, what was the who's the, the, the linebacker receiver? from South Florida? Jaquan Williams. Yes. And uh, and the receiver Oh, uh, Devin years Thomas. Years Devin Thomas? Devin Thomas. I mean, yeah, he was a high draft pick, wasn't he? Well, not of the Giants he was No. Of The yeah. Redskins, yeah, second round. Yeah. I mean, these these are these are random guys, yeah, no question, yeah,
0: yeah. It was just a, it was a cool team, though. You know what it was? It was there were some young guys like Mark Herzlick, Prince. We had some undrafted guys like Jim Cordell that made the team.
1: The late Tyler Sash was on that, Tyler team, Sash,
0: right? yeah. Listen, Tyler Sash, uh, Mitch Petrus, who has also passed away, will, yeah. You know, we'll hopefully recognize those two guys. And then, of course, we can't forget Marcus Paul, who just passed away in, in Dallas last year. So, yeah, it was, it's an interesting team, but just a tough team, man. Listen, it was – I think in all the central positions, you had great leadership. Corey Webster in the back end, Deion Grant, Eli, Brandon, Ahmad. Offensive line, Chris Snee, Kevin Booth, uh, Dave Deal. You know, no no O'Hara, no mm-hmm. Soybert, A cream. Green was still there. Yeah, Yeah. he was still there. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of our nucleus was still there. And of course, the man that made it all work, Tom Coughlin. But got hot at the right time, man. It
1: was a strange team. I mean, you guys were seven and seven. You know what I mean? There was (laughs) nothing great about you at all. I think you guys were the worst rushing team in the league in the regular season. Sounds right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, I mean, you know, Eli, Eli. Well, look, and you know, you know what? I here is what I remember about that team, Lawrence. Above all, you guys went to play. You know, the first game was against the Falcons. You know, that was yeah, a walkover. It was an easy game. You guys went to play Green Bay. Wasn't Green Bay fifteen and one?
0: Oh yeah, they were unbelievable.
1: And, and Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. So you know, I'm like. Geez, this is, this is a tough, you know, this this giant team is just not a great team. And I watched the first half of that game and it was the first time not, I didn't feel this way in 2007. I looked, I was sitting in the press box in Lambeau and I said, the Packers cannot stop Eli Manning in this passing game. They no. can't do it. And and look, the Giants have had some good teams, but I've never said that. You know, you, you, this wasn't the greatest show on turf. The Giants were not those kind of teams. I looked there and said, I don't think they can stop Knicks and Manningham and Cruz, they can't stop them. And And they they didn't. They couldn't. And they didn't. Once Eli faded back and there was no one in his face, it was like, holy cow, they're going to win this game because they can't stop them. So much for
2: being excited for the ceremony. Damn. (laughs) You go, this team is random. I mean, there's a uh, just a bunch of randoms. It was an exciting yeah. team. I don't know. I, I feel like it's no, going it, it to be a fun it trip is. down memory I just, lane. I just I wanted think. to kind of, come, like, if I'm comparing the two. Yeah, no, that's
0: interesting. I don't right. want to call anyone random, but, like, it's just, it's a, it was a different, they both have their own feel to them. And this one is Young, Victor Cruz, Manny M, Nix, and then just some guys that came in for a year or two and. Left, but they left with rings. and
1: That Super Bowl, to me, in some ways, was more surprising. I did not think you guys were going to win in 2007. I just, you know, there was no reason for me to think that. Yeah. I thought the Patriots were an all-time team. I did not think you guys were an all-time team. So yeah. that was a shocking upset. Four years later, I said, you know what? Belichick and Brady are not going to let that happen <laughs> They're not going to let that happen again. You know, NC State, right, with, with, with Jim Valvano, right? Yeah. You know, the great thing. They didn't win it again four years later. You know, there's one miracle, and then three or four years later, the same team doesn't have another miracle. So I said, yeah. This is not going to happen again.
2: I know. They, damn.
1: Damn, <laughs> damn if it didn't it happen again. And it, again. Did. And
2: it yeah. did. Well, you'll see Lawrence next Sunday against the Rams, and uh, maybe a special live show. Stay tuned for that at the Blue Rush podcast.
0: And that says cheerio to episode 77, the Kevin Booth edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Get Blue Rush that we five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Pauly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tangs. We'll return on Monday following the Giants matchup with the Cowboys in Dallas. Enjoy the game and thanks for listening to Blue Rush.